This is episode 187, Position Yourself for Success with Lonnie Robinson. It's, it's very important that you uh, present yourself as who you are, and there's nothing perfect about us. And I think people respect that even more. Uh, it's Chris Rock, the comedian. Oh, yeah. Said, I love Chris said, Rock. <laughs> I love you too. Chris Rock said, hey, you know, when, when you first meet people, chances are you meet their representative. Mm. You may not even like who they really are. But unfortunately, you have to meet that representative first. I try to shorten that curve. Hmm. That's why I say it's essential that you really get to know people. You make them feel comfortable by having the conversations and making it about them. This is the Dance of Life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you're having an amazing Friday wherever you happen to be and regardless of whatever craziness is in your life right now, especially right now, of course, with everything going on. An inspiring quote today from Steve Jobs on life, work, and purpose. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life, and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know when you find it. I absolutely love that quote because, you know, guys, life is long. At the end of the day, barring any crazy accidents, you know, we anticipate life to be very long. In that sense, everything that you do, everything that you choose is on a big timetable. The decisions you make today will affect you a year from now, five years from now, 10 years down the road. So the point is that, you know, life is long. Make sure that you really find things that fulfill you, that you position yourself for success, that you make the choices to align, uh, to be in your own truth, to be in your own authenticity, because at the same time, you know, life is long and it's, it's unfortunate. It's a shame to waste all that time on something that's not true to yourself. At the same time, it's also unfortunate to look back on your life and say, wow, that went by so fast and I wasted it all on something that wasn't true to my heart. So today we're talking about positioning yourself for success. I'm going to be unpacking some of these things. My inspiring guest that's going to be helping me in this conversation is Lonnie Robinson. He's a digital information broker, business optimization expert, and the founder and CEO of Robinson Infomedia. He helps his clients create strategic digital information business roadmaps for creating wealth and a lifestyle of freedom and abundance. Lonnie believes that his success can only be predicated on the success he creates for his clients and in turn his clients desire to share that success with as many people as they care about. While other companies choose to focus the bulk of their time and money on advertising and acquiring new prospects and customers, Robinson Infomedia chooses instead to invest in research and educating their team so that they can remain at the top of their field. 
Lonnie believes that every client deserves the right to understand the implicit and explicit process in order to perform at the highest level possible, increase sales, scale their profits, and uncover their unique proposition that sets them apart from their competition. If you want to hang out with Lonnie, check him out on Instagram at Lonnie Robinson. You can also follow him on Twitter, Lonnie Robinson. That's with two N's. All this stuff is going to be in the blog post. Make sure you check it out, danceoflife.com slash podcast. This is episode 187. Uh, Lonnie Robinson is also on Facebook as the dot-com maverick. For any listeners of today's episode, you can also check out robinsoninfomedia.com slash tutor, T-U-D-O-R, for a special free bonus from Lonnie. Go check it out just for listening to this episode. And make sure, again, you follow him on social media. If you're looking for any kind of business advice, business success, helping with some coaching, with marketing, you know, Blonnie has done amazing work for so many people. And he's uh, somebody in my circle that I definitely trust to recommend for that kind of thing. So make sure you go check him out. Today, we're talking about positioning yourself for success. You know, one thing that's clear in my life, especially as an entrepreneur, is that if you aren't positioned for success, you can work all day long and not get anywhere. This is what it means to me to work smarter and not harder. And my guest today, Lonnie, shares over two decades of experience in business and marketing with you to empower you wherever you may be in your own journey. We're going to talk a lot about the importance of trust, building a connection with your clients for long-term success, how to effectively brand yourself and build a brand, how to distill your message from the crowd to the inner circle and what that means, and some of the top mistakes that people make in getting their message out there, especially today when the market is oversaturated. Uh, You know, whatever it is, you know, if you have a business or a small project that you're trying to uh, to get successful, at the end of the day, it requires you to be able to be very clear about the message that you're trying to put out so that other people get what you're saying. So that's what we're going to be unpacking today. Really exciting stuff, really practical stuff that you can apply in your own life. Super stoked to jump into this conversation with you. If you find this episode useful, make sure you subscribe and share it with your friends. Anybody in your own circle will benefit that's looking to start or has already has a business or a personal project that they're looking to take to the next level. This is a great resource to get started and get some more information, especially if you get in touch with Lonnie. So without further ado, a little music and here we go. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us today. We are back and ready to dance with you, the dance of life. Here we go. My exciting guest today is Lonnie Robinson. How are you, my friend? So good to have you on the show. Hey, man. Thanks, dude. It's so great to be here. Um, I'm, I'm truly honored. I'm, I'm becoming a big fan of yours. Uh, <laughs> it's like your style. <laughs> and, you know, I, I really respect and appreciate your, your uh, commitment to delivering massive value to your clients and, and, your, and your fans. I really, pre- I really appreciate that, buddy, especially coming from you. You just celebrated your 15th anniversary with your company and, and how many lives you've touched and helped people really uh, position themselves and bring their message to the forefront. I mean, that's amazing. How has that been for you? It's been, it's been great. Um, if I had to sum it up in, in one word, it's been great, but the, the recipe behind that greatness is 
the challenges, the obstacles, the hurdles, the, the long hours, the smiles and the cries and even the wins that, that we've uh, been able to, uh, to, to, to attain and help as well as help others, you know, fulfill their dreams. And it's been, it's been very fruitful and it's just been great. What's, what do you think, like reflecting on it since you just, you just kind of passed that milestone as you reflect on, let's say the next 15 years, what's been, I'm sure there's a laundry list of life lessons, but if you could pick one right now, what's been one major life lesson that you've learned from 15 years of doing what you do and looking into the next 15 years, I guess, how does that, you know, how does that tie in? Yeah, well, I, I talk about, and this is something I share a lot with my clients. Um, and the, thanks for asking me that question. It's really good. Um, I, I talk about uh, the correlation of money and time and being able to leverage that and find that balance. Mm. Uh, a few years before I started this journey into the digital marketing world, I've owned several businesses prior to that. But one of my mentors, uh, he, he shared a story with me about money and its relationship with time. Um, and basically what he said is that money and time don't occupy the same space at the same time. Hmm. And when he first told me that I was a little, what, <laughs> you know, money and time don't occupy it. What does that even mean? And so he says, Hey, if you spend any amount of time around wealthy people or very successful people, uh, one of the characteristics that, that they have in common is their consciousness of their time and their mm. money. But what you'll notice um, that their life revolves around this tight schedule and, and they know that in order to, to maintain that positive productivity and that happiness that they seek and, and that they are fulfilling, uh, they must utilize their time wisely. A lot mm. of people don't do that. So, um, why, do you think, why do you think most people don't use their time wisely? I mean, I agree with you, but yeah. what, what's your take on it? Um, I feel like we live in this, what we call microwave popcorn era, where everything mm. has to be done right now. You know, you've got people that have these uh, lists of what they call them, checklists. They have a 20-part checklist. Have you ever done that? Have you ever pulled out a notepad and wrote down 20 things that you need to get done today? Yeah, it's overwhelming. <laughs> Man, exactly. And so when you look at it, it, it is overwhelming. And, and one of the things that, that I noticed uh, that I was taught is that just continue to write those 20 things down, but look at them from a third eye, so to speak, meaning mm. start to go down that list and select the top three things at the most that you want to get accomplished today. And how you determine what those, most, those three most important things are is by, number one, the impact that it can make on your life, your business, someone else's life, someone else's business number one. And uh, number two, the money that you can make, the return on the investment of that. Is it moving your business forward? Is it setting your business up for more profitability? And what you'll find is that of those 25 things, only about 20, only, I'm sorry, only about three of them are predominantly important, mm. you know, have to be done today. And you're going to feel accomplished because it's so much easier to get three things done versus 25 things. Yeah. I think it's really a skill to recognize what's important because there's only so much time in the day and learning to decide and use that time on the things that are important and giving you, 
you know, it's like the 80, 20 rule. You put 20% effort for 80% of the results. So basically you have to recognize where can I get an uneven exchange in my favor, right? Like that's with everything. Like if, if I'm investing money, I'm looking for an uneven exchange, meaning I put a little and I get a lot versus making, you know, I would say mistakes if you were to lump them mostly would be where you're getting an uneven exchange in the opposite direction, but you're not recognizing that you don't know why you're wasting your time or money or whatever else. Right. Yes. And that becomes something that's habit forming. Hmm. And you, you begin to, you begin to unconsciously adopt that into your life. And, and then, and this is a sad thing, man, this is a really sad thing because it just becomes your way of life. Hmm. It becomes your way of doing business. And you feel like, Either A, there's no other way, and or B, there are other people that are doing it, but they're just better than you. Mm-hmm. And, and you start to use it as an excuse. Well, yes, yes, Tudor, you can do this because you've been doing this for 25 years. You know, I can never do that. I've only been doing this for two years. People start to justify why they're failing. Mm-hmm. It's a sad, it's very sad. What do you do with somebody that's, I mean, let's say somebody comes in, for, you know, Hey, help me with my business. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to take the next step. Do you, do you go through the process and say, okay, let's look at why you're feeling it. First off, let's look at the mindset. You know, what, what's your process? Like when you, when you see somebody who is obviously wanting the next level and they're, they're having trouble with, with certain behavior patterns, let's put it that way, right? Belief systems. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Great question. What I do first of all is is I have a I have an extensive conversation with them. Mm. I want to know about them as a person because it's easy for us to play someone in the business world and be someone else in in the real world. Mm-hmm. It, it's I don't know if it's easy to do that. I, I kind of I, you know I found my way of being the same one in the same. My life and business are inter- they're they're married. Yeah, it's consistent. You're consistent throughout your roles. Yeah, man. And I think I had to, I think that was something that I had to, to become comfortable with. And I think over time, over experiencing successes and failures and having a support system behind me, that was really critical to my success. And I encourage people to take what they have now and and make it a part of their brand. It's Mm. like, I need to know who you are. I need to know who your audience is. I'd like to know about your family. I'd like to know what do your friends see when they look at you? What are they saying? What do your clients see when they look at you? What are you doing right now that's holding you back? And how do we scale that by improving it? Or how do we just reject it and just remove it from your life and from your business? So those conversations are very critical in the beginning, especially if people don't know what their next step is. How do you help people? I mean, I don't know if there is an answer to this, but how do you help somebody become more authentic? Because especially these days, I think we are in such a social media age where we're used to presenting, like you said, a certain particular side of ourselves, right? Just by training. I mean, even if you haven't started a business yet, or if you want to start something, you're so ingrained in social media that you're constantly presenting only what's positive or, you know, good about your life. So how do you, how do you help people bring that authenticity into their marketing, into their position, their voice? I tell you what, there's a shift in social media Hmm. and um, it's, it's so, it's so obvious 
because everybody is starting to to turn in that direction. And that shift is this. It's that being authentic, being yourself, is what people are beginning to resonate with because now uh, in, in this day and time, people need people. People mm-hmm. need people. And if you're being someone who's putting yourself on a pedestal, saying, hey, look at me. This is what I've accomplished. This is what I'm doing. And you too can do it. You're, you're, setting, you're, you're actually separating yourself from your audience. Yeah, it's not relatable. Here's my five planes and my two Ferraris. Right. I find that too, because I mean, obviously, as an entrepreneur, we're, there's always somebody ahead of you. So obviously, all of us follow other people who are more successful to get inspiration, to get how are they doing it. And, you know, well, that's that's been one of my biggest frustrations, even with people that I've found real value in. I'm like, okay, I've gained a lot from them, from their trainings, all that stuff. One thing that I still kind of irks me a little bit, you know, like I won't name any names, but like one of them was like talking about how when they started, oh, you know, my email list was, it was small. It was only about 10,000 people. I'm like, are you kidding me? I wish I had 10,000 people on my list. Like that's not, you know, or some of these big names that they all started with something and none of them acknowledge what it would be like to completely start over. Like, okay, dude, you go on Instagram and start with literally no followers and see what, you know, how, how does that work for you? So it's, there's definitely a disconnect between many of the famous, I would say, entrepreneurs or inspiring people. Right. I want to know how you got those. I think you said two planes and five Ferraris or five. I want to know how you got that, that story, that story matters to me. Yeah. I want to know where you came from. What, what were your challenges? And the shift is this, is that people are starting to open up about that because they know that that creates a connection. Um, someone who's not so uh, financially stable, listening to a story of someone talk about how uh, sufficiently wealthy they are, there is a big disconnect. And there's a, there's a little bit of resentment. There's even a little bit of what they call haters. And you know what? You've got to embrace people to a, to a point where they can see a connection. They can see, hey, you know what? I didn't live his life, but it's an interesting one. And I could see that this guy or this girl worked very hard to get where they are. And they have qualified themselves to not only be a coach for me, but also just be a guide mm-hmm. and help me to be better. What do you think? I mean, I completely agree. I'm spot on with it because really it's about trust, right? I mean, you're building yeah. trust with that person and regardless how long that customer journey is for you, uh, you want them to leave you better than they showed up, you know? So building that trust is super key. And I think it's so important for business. And I think you're also right that it's been so easy to put a product on the market. I mean, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, like literally five years ago, there was no such thing as like collagen powder or, you know, whatever, some of these like nutritional supplements. And now you go on Facebook and there's all kinds of crap, like molecular, you know, hydrogen tablets. I'm like, okay, you know, I don't even know what that is. So I think the public has, yeah, practically purple pill, it fizzes in your mouth. I mean, that's right. So I think people are getting turned off by that and it's going to, it's the natural reaction is to, want something more authentic. So let's say for somebody who is limited on time, like let's say they're, you know, mom, pop, entrepreneur, 
mom who's a yoga instructor or something. She's trying to get some extra hours in to start her business for whatever coaching or whatever else doesn't matter. And they have limited resources and limited time. How specifically, let's say like, you know, what is the biggest bang for your buck? Because there's so many ways to go about reaching people. And especially now we have so much noise you know, with, with all the social media channels and all this stuff, it's like, everybody's like, should I start a podcast? Should I do a YouTube channel? Should I do a blog? You know, and like literally you have no time to do all of those, you know, and you have to figure out where, where am I best served? So how, how do you help somebody decide that? I guess that'd be a good question. How do you help somebody decide that? Like I said, it does begin with that conversation. Um, One of the problems that holds people back is that they're not coachable Hmm. or they don't see the value in coaching. Uh, I've been doing this for 15 years, and, and when you ask me about the journey, uh, I think about the challenges that I had, and I think about the challenges that I brought on, brought on myself because I didn't know better. Mm. Uh, I came into this business pretty successful anyway because of the previous business ventures that I had. What were you doing before? Um, <clears throat> before, Right before I got into this, I was a, a sailor. I owned a sailor company. Oh, wow. A wireless company. We sold, we sold cell phones. And back in, in, in my age of coming up, that was really popular. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now the service providers have kind of taken over again. You can go into Apple and buy a phone or Sprint. Um, you can go in and buy a phone now in these outlets. Before, they didn't have retail outlets. So I served as that that that, that mid- Intermediary, that pretty much. Right, between the, the client and the company. And uh, did that quite successfully. So, you you know, You've got to have someone. When I got into this business, I kind of had a a little chip where I felt like, hey, if I can successfully build a business of that magnitude in the brick and mortar world, I can come into the click and order world mm. and be a super overnight success. That's like funny. Just, brick and mortar and click and order. That, I yeah, like that. yeah. I heard that somewhere about ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> True though. It's all yeah, it's living digital. Cool. Right, right. So I felt like, you know, I could just put up a website, put some products on there. People are going to come running with their credit card in hand because that's what they're on the internet for. Uh, (laughs) Build it and and they'll come, huh? (laughs) Right. I found out that that was absolutely not the case. Hmm. So some, a lot of my friends who some you probably know are super successful now uh, started when I did, they were just, they were outperforming me and mm-hmm. out earning me. And I, I reached out to them, a, a few of them. I said, hey, what are you doing that I'm not doing? My sites look better than yours. Mm-hmm. My products are better than yours. You know, we were friends, so we could laugh and joke about that. Man, how are you crushing it? You know what they said? You got to have a coach. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta have someone that's been where you want to go and beyond. And not only that, you have to be coachable. So that's what I, that's what I encourage someone who's, uh, is that brick and mortar, that mom and pop, or even that click and order digital uh, marketer who aspires to be a great success at it, is to find a coach that not only uh, can navigate you through the waters, uh, but also can help you from a mindset, mindset perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Because without the mindset of this, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be, it's going to be truly challenging for you. You, you have a thing that I read about, which I really liked kind of a personal philosophy, I guess, but you say go from the crowd to the community 
to the inner circle. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, I really like that because it's kind of like most of the time people are marketing to that crowd. Right. And, and not really, or maybe the best, the community, but they're not specific enough yeah. with what they're, what they're offering. Let's put it that way or problem they're solving. So can you expand on that? Like, what does that mean to you? That whole series of distillations, I guess. And how do you help people get to that inner circle? Great. So you have, you have people who, you have, you have marketers, you have experts, I should say, who tell you that you've got to, you've got to find a hungry audience. You've got to find a, a targeted niche. Mm-hmm. And in recent years, I've looked at niches not being the thing you do, but being the people that you do it for, right? Being the people that you do it for. And in finding that, it's really difficult because people are everywhere. And if you just, if you just took social media, the, 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 the platforms of social media, like Instagram and LinkedIn and YouTube and um, Facebook and even Reddit now, um, there are people, Twitter, there are people everywhere. And to go out and look for that guy or girl that represents who will buy your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a needle in a giant freaking haystack, man. Yes. Yes. So the first thing you have to do is you have to corral everyone. You have to build a brand. You have to build, um, build up your persona, who you are, what you represent, what you stand for, what are your philosophies, what are your methodologies? And you have to share that with the world. Hmm. You have to share that with the world and you've got to basically you're segmenting, you're filtering people in. um, So you can have a community of 8 million people. But within that community is going to, you're going to start to identify who's going to be your ideal client or your tribe. Who's your tribe? Who's in your tribe? And then from there, you're going to create an inner circle of people that you really uh, trust. I mean, really trust that you know so well that um, they're predictable. Uh, But it starts with having a broader uh, eye of, hey, I've got to, I've got to attract people, Hmm. you know, and I've got to get to know those people and be able to decide what it is that they want. And then now I've got to decide what I can provide for them because you can't do everything. See, that's the problem. Everybody's doing everything for everybody and you Hmm. just can't, you can never build a brand like that. You look at companies like Apple, they've got it dialed in. Got yeah, they're so specific about everything that they are and they aren't. I think one of the most yeah. important things I've learned in my own, and it's an ongoing process, you know, is it's learning to say no, right? I mean, just learning what's, this is not my values. This is not my, and, and being ruthless with that, honestly, like I'm, I mean, some people, I notably will call myself a perfectionist, but you know what, at the end of the day, like when it comes to let's say video editing, I'll give you a simple example and and you can share also something from your experience with, with building trust, but really it's like, okay, if one of my values is cleanliness and consistency and I want people that when they look at my branding, no matter where it is, it's like very well put together. It looks official. It looks clean, which to me is like trustworthy. Like if something's like, you know, janky, like I would not spend money with that. Like I'm very picky. So if you send me an email and it just looks like it's some automated janky thing like that just loses my trust a little bit. It's like a little, you know, little trust meters going down. And so if I'm making a video and whatever, it's supposed to be an inspirational video or something to get people attentive. And one of the scene transitions 
is just stupid. It's just like, you know, some weird graphic or something, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. To me, that's a loss of trust. And I'm aware of that because it's like when that person sees that, they don't think emotionally anymore. Suddenly they're like, oh, what was that? Now the logical brain kicks in and start questions and everything. And then again, your logical brain's there to prevent you from risk, you know, from a losing money, losing time, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, I think, as an entrepreneur, as anybody's creating anything, really, even if it's a charity, I think you have to really be clear about your nose. Like what's not my values? What's not my, you know, where, where's trust broken? But what, what has been your experience with that? Like as far as building trust or some of the things that have been the most important for maintaining trust? I think that's a, I think that's a perfect guideline. I'd like to add that um, you want to give yourself permission to say yes more often as well. Uh, you want to keep those things in perspective. Um, to me, no's also represent distractions. Yeah. <laughs> they, re- they represent wasted time. Um, and people are out here, they're, they're, in search of, they're in search of that perfection, which, you know, with all due respect, is a little bit overrated. Because, yeah, we, yeah, we just talked about how it's, it's very important that you uh, present yourself as who you are. And there's nothing perfect about us. Um, and I think people respect that even more. Uh, it's Chris Rock, the comedian. Oh, yeah. Said, I love Chris said, Rock. <laughs> I love you too. Chris Rock said, hey, you know, when, when you first meet people, chances are you meet their representative. Hmm. You may not even like who they really are. But unfortunately, you have to meet that representative first. I try to shorten that curve. Hmm. That's why I say it's essential that you really get to know people. You make them feel comfortable by having the conversations and making it about them. So tell me about, you know, your, your, your childhood. Tell me about what you struggled with in business. What did that feel like? It's so important to, to ask those questions because you get to know a little bit about them. And not only do you do that, now you get to know a little bit about them. You find a way that you can help them based on who they are, where they come from. And they feel comfortable in that as well. Because now they can be forthcoming with you. Now they can, yeah, man, I, I struggle too, man. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. And, and it's, it's, it's so important. So, uh, right on. I mean, in your own journey recently, I guess, what have you said yes to that's scared you the most recently, I guess, in the last <laughs> six months? <laughs> this is a good one. This is a really good one. i tell you what, uh, I was... One of my best friends on the planet, Chris Whitehead, who I, I will eventually introduce to, um, just a great, great all-around guy, very successful. Uh, he owns several businesses. We also partner in business as well. Chris, Chris has, a, has an offline uh, business where he's mentoring leaders. So he's, he's working with leaders to make them more efficient, more effective in the workplace. So he, he's working with several different entities like veterinary hospitals and, and, and things like that. It's one of his biggest accounts. Wow. So um, Chris was in my area. He's, he's originally from New Hampshire. Well, he lives in New Hampshire. He's originally from Virginia, but he was, he was in my area down to, to do a weekend conference. And he says, Hey bro, do you want to, you want to come and meet me and, and, and see how things are going with the event? Like to get your insights. So my wife and I, we said, yes, yeah, sure. So the night before the conference, we had dinner. We went and had dinner together. Nice. 
<laughs> so yeah, so we're laughing and talking and, and just having a great time. Uh, he was with his sister, who's one of his business partners, and my wife and I. And he said, "Hey, do you want to speak tomorrow? You want to present at the event?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat, huh? Right off the bat. So, wow. uh, <laughs> so I immediately said, "Yes, sure." Awesome. What do you want me to do? He says, man, I just want you to be you. I just want you to share. I said, okay, I can do that. Yes. So I'm shaking in my shoes right now. Have you ever done, I mean, how many people are going to be there at the thing? Um, that, uh, I think it was like 45, 50. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a nice full room. Yeah. 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 Um, Have you ever done anything like that before? Just, you mean live speaking on stage? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah sure. Sure. I've, yeah. Uh, spoke at a few uh, marketing events and uh, some meetup groups. I've been invited to speak at certain meetups and things nice. in that area. Yeah. Uh, but this was kind of an uncomfortable situation because it was about personal development. I can oh, speak wow. about business and marketing, but I'd never, I had never been asked to speak on personal development. How do you become more successful? How, 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 how are you uh, well perceived and received in the workplace. I had never spoken on that. Yeah. It's uh, those are a lot more vulnerable topics, you know, and it's, I, I can totally like agree with that because when I've had to present or do a workshop on, I guess I don't know how you call it, like material things or logical things, things that are measurable, right? Like, Oh, okay. You know, here's the sequence to do this and here's what you do for like, that's easy. You know, like it's not yeah. that hard. And granted, you know, some people even with that, like they have fear of just being in front of people. But yeah, when, when it comes about something that's a little more emotional or intangible, yeah, like that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole other yeah, story. It really was. And, and, you know, did you speak there already or? Well, yeah, no, I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, the next morning I, uh, yeah, that night I told my wife, I said, wow, Chris, one of you just wants me to speak at this event. And she says, well, are you ready? I says, I'm never really ready. <laughs> yeah. But let's do it. Ready is when I'm I, ready to do it. <laughs> right. I think I, I think I would be more, I don't know, man. I don't know if I could handle being ready. Yeah. I think I'm always ready. And, and so, uh, and that's not to brag. It's just, that's who I am. That's a I'm, mindset. Yeah. You got to yeah, just, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready. The power of being me, you know, wow. and, and knowing and understanding that that's what people really want. Yeah. It's what people really want. So the next day I did present and uh, I had taken some notes on my phone. So I had my, I had my iPhone up and I'm taking notes and it was a brand new phone for me. And the phone kept going dead because of the, the Oh my God, the screen. The, yeah. Yeah. The screen. Yeah. It times out. That's so annoying. Then so, did you have to open it with like a security code or something? Yeah. I actually had, I said, Hey guys, uh, I'm going to present today and I want to talk with you about my daily ritual and how it can help you be more productive and, and feel like a boss in your business. However, I don't have a presentation. I just took a few notes. So I'm going to need to refer to those notes because my best friend, Chris Whitehead, just told me this at midnight last night that I'm going to have to speak today. And wow. that's one of the things I want you to understand is that you want to always give yourself permission to experience something mm -hmm. new and, and say yes, even when you're not prepared. Uh, because sometimes it works. So today we're going to see <laughs> how this works. And yeah, there, I, I there's nothing him, like live action, man. <laughs> yeah. So I told him about my phone, you know, fast forward to the end of that presentation went really well. 
uh, not only did it go well, but Chris uh, invited me to speak to other uh, his other events, which I did. We actually went on, a, I guess, a tour, as you call it. Wow, that's awesome, man! And I actually spoke all from one little uh, one little courageous yes. Yeah, give yourself permission to say yes and no. Give yourself permission. A lot of people don't say no enough. Mm. You know, when you know you're, dude, here's, a, I can go on and on, but here's, here's one of the problems that people have in business and in life. Uh, and maybe you've experienced this. I know I have. You know, when you have things that you need to get done, whether it's building a business, whether it's mowing the lawn, uh, you've got a priority, something that needs to get done. And someone else asks you to do something for them. Mm. You will do it. You will jump and do it. Yeah. What I've experienced as a business coach is people always ask me, how can they help me as a coach? I mean, how can they, how can I, man, if I, let me know if I can help you. And I'm thinking to myself, you came to me for help. You didn't do your assignment from last week, <laughs> but you mm. want to help me. How you can help me is by having that willingness to, to see a project through, to see your to-do list, that those three things, check them off, get them done. Mm. Because in order to effectively help someone else, you have to be in a position so as you've helped yourself. Yeah. Help me help you kind of thing. <laughs> it's like That's exactly right. Help me help you. Um, yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, I overextend myself. That's been actually one of my biggest lessons. And I think you're right. It's been my own finding that everybody falls into one or one or the other category. Either you have a problem saying that you should, that you should say yes to more things or you should say no to more things. I fall in the latter category. I, I had a hard, hard problem saying no. And at the beginning of this year, actually 2020, I came up with something like it's called a decision compass, like the three things that that will always be guiding my decisions. And that's, does it meet my self-worth? Meaning, am I getting paid what I should be getting paid? Is it aligned with my values? Meaning, is it aligned with the things that I believe and how I conduct myself and my business and attitudes? And then is it aligned with my vision? Meaning my long-term vision? Because sometimes what I started to find was the things that I was saying yes to all the time weren't aligned with all three of those. And what happens when you don't, let's say it's not aligned with your self-worth. I was getting, I was saying yes to things that weren't paying me enough. And it's like, why am I doing this? Like I'm miserable. I'm, it's a hating, I'm hating my time there even more just because I was just a little afraid of getting, you know, little extra coin in my purse. So yeah, that's been a big lesson in my, in my own life, especially recently is to, to say, you know what? I don't care. I, the opportunities will come. There will always be opportunities. Is just the moment you start saying no to the things that you usually say yes, that's when those other ones will open up. So, and it, so that, that's cool. You call it the, the compass. What did you call it? The, three? the decision compass. So the it's kind of like you want to triangulate with those three things. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, in, in business, I, I, you know, I share with my clients what I call the three questions mm. um, that you should ask yourself in business, before starting business, while you're thinking about a business. And, um, you, you know, it's going to help determine the outcome of that business in a mm -hmm. lot of cases. And those three questions are, is your business profitable? Hmm. Well, if you're new in business, is it set up for profitability? Are you doing all the things that you need to do to make sure that your business is positioned to be profitable? 
Are you improving your brand? Um, are you being consistent with your brand? Are you making the right uh, financial decisions, the right decisions to hire a coach? Um, number two is scalability. Is your business position for scalability? A lot of people will create a, a product and call it a business. Mm. But, you know, a product is not a business if it's not scalable. Look at Apple. They created uh, what the, the phone. Uh, well, they created the, the MP3 player. Yeah. The phone, it's all been scalable. It mm. was positioned for scalability. Um, and look at where they are now. They're one of the top country uh, company countries. They are a country, basically. Yeah, I'm a trillion-dollar country. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their yeah. Ma- annual profits greater than some GDPs of small countries. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. It's crazy to think about that. <laughs> yeah, they're a country, basically. Amazon as well. Um, so it's got to be profitable. It's got to be scalable. And, and finally... But most important, it's got to be fun. Mm. You got to enjoy what you do, uh, and, and I, I, I tell my clients, you got to enjoy it um, as if you're going to live for the next 200 years. Yeah, because the truth is, with the advancements of medicine and technology, it's quite possible. I, oh, I was, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was I was listening to uh, Peter Thiel, who is one of the founders of PayPal. He's one of the CEOs of PayPal. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, when he stepped down from PayPal, uh, he took his billions and he started investing in uh, working with scientists and, and, and doing re- conducting research on how to cure death. Mm-hmm. That's it's a program. They have it here in Virginia. Um, he's got a company and he's, he's working on the cure for death. I just, listened, I just finished the book today called Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To by another famous researcher called David Sinclair. And it was fascinating, man. I mean, it's totally changed my perspective about aging and what it means to age. And it's like, really, if you look at all the diseases we have, they're just actually symptoms of the only real disease, which is aging. But we've, we've looked at aging as like, oh, well, it's just kind of something that happens and it's meant to happen. But really aging is just a result of unmitigated damage to your body. Absolutely. Because everything in life, if you look, there's examples of things that live like 5,000 years and they just rejuvenate themselves, you know? So yeah, I think it, it's an exciting time. And that, that does open up the question of, okay, if we do live to 120, 140, 150, 200 fucking years, I mean, like how do you use that time? You have to have meaningful life because if you look at, gosh, that opens up such a, such a conversation because like, for example, when we were living 40 years, right? That was the maximum lifespan for whatever reason. In some ways we look back and say, oh my gosh, how tragic, how barbaric, whatever. But in reality, if you look at the life cycle of a person, they were already like a boy. You take a boy and like at 12 years old, they were a man and there was initiation Then they would have, you know, a family and the kids like they went through the entire experience of being human. And at every point in their life, there was a purpose behind what they were doing. There wasn't like this nowadays where we have, extended that period of time between let's say being a child and you know whatever being an adult there's like this large lag time where we're just kind of questioning everything and not sure and meandering and you know and to some extent it's good to have that extra time but it's like it's true that if we live let's say 150 you're going to really need some purposeful action in your life otherwise you know what's the point you know what's the point of enjoying all that extra lifespan which is a very real possibility in the next 20 years, 2040, 2050. Are you kidding me? We're going to be like cyborgs. 
Oh, sure. You know, yeah. running around. <laughs> I think I think the average caveman um, lived to be, I think, I, I believe, and I may have this data a little skewed, but I think he was 22 years old. Um, that was his, if you lived to be 22, you were an old caveman. Wow. And, um, I mean, you think about it, man, they didn't have anything to combat the flu or combat, you know, common cold, or if they broke their leg or fell out of a tree <laughs> or got infected by getting bit. So many things we take for granted, man. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. So, you know, now science, those things are crazy. Those, those are what we call freak accidents. Hmm. Someone doesn't live a life of 70 to 85 years old. And that's even changing now. 90 hmm. is becoming the new 75 and 80 um, lifespan. You've seen people live to be 100. So, and or that we continue to 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 work on this and, and pursue this, our it's our research team. Uh, we start there's people that just have billions of dollars who who think that way and they want to live because it's been their money. <laughs> they work hard and painstakingly to, to get a result, a positive result. So you got to think about that, and that's why the third the third question is, is it fun? Hmm. And meaning, is it fun not for a short term, but for the long term? Hmm. How do you feel? Yeah, even when through obstacles. Yeah, because you know, I had a question for you about that. Because you know, like for example, I I have a lot of clients that I train, and uh, a lot of the work that I do is long term based. It's based on okay, let's say we develop your body athletically. There's mindset training, all this kind of stuff. So ultimately, there's different levels of fun. You know, and so I love it when a client will tell me, well, I just want to have fun or this, you know, this isn't fun or whatever. Like that, that word fun to me, uh, I completely agree that something has to be fun, but I think there's also a, a hidden mindset change there that needs to happen because a lot of times we associate fun to easy, accessible, uh, anybody can do it, you know, and I remember I was telling one, one of my clients, I said, do you like going on first class? Like if you, if, if I just bought you a first class ticket, like, would that be fun for you? It's like, yeah, that'd be fun. Would it be fun right. to ride in a Lamborghini? Yeah, that'd be fun too. Well, guess what? Certain types of fun come with a cost. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not Taco Tuesday where everybody can go. There's certain types of fun that are exclusive. So I think that to be, cause there's, there's going to be times in your road or your journey where it's not going to be easy. Like you're going to have to like, for example, I love doing this kind of stuff. I love interviewing people and having awesome conversations, but I can't stand having a scheduled <laughs> podcast episodes, like doing <laughs> clicking on all the, you know, busy work that it takes to do that. But ultimately uh, the fun quote unquote, and the mission and the vision and to, to impact lives and to empower people. I always come back to that and it gives me the, the fuel for, you know, all the stuff that's quote unquote, not fun, the basics. So how do you deal with somebody who, whose perception of fun is, okay, I just want to have fun. This is getting too hard or, you know, like they're not, you know, they need to push through it. You know, you know, they need, there need, there needs to be some level of, okay, like you need discipline, push through it, whatever. And they're not because they're so obsessed with, let's say fun as an easy thing. So how do you change that mindset for them? How do you say, listen, it is about having fun but your interpretation of fun needs to change if you want to be more successful. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, am, am I yeah, coming no, across? I, I, I think there's, there's uh, some pieces to the puzzle that need to be added into your life and into your business in order to make it uh, 
to make it fun, so to speak. Yeah. In my in my interpretation of fun, uh, it equates to freedom, mm. having that freedom to to be able to choose to have that fun, to choose to do what you want. And the way to do that, the pieces of the puzzle that I'm referring to is being able to understand what your weaknesses are, being able to understand what your superpowers are as well, and being able to uh, take both your weaknesses and your superpowers and make the decision as to who else is capable of helping you achieve what it is that you want. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this, uh, what we do to is uh, great. It's wonderful. It is fun. And like you said, there are challenges, things that you don't want to do. And you know what? I think the thing that's the most daunting, the thing that, that really we don't really think about when we're in business, not necessarily life, but in business, is that it's a lonely place. Mm. We're sitting here in front of a computer <laughs> and we're trying to figure out what's our next step. Yeah. Are we making the right decisions? Do we invest in the right products and services and coaching? Uh, who's my competition and what are they doing? Why am I not getting customers? Why am I, why are my ads not working? Mm, it spends yep. so much time in that place that it, it can take away the fun. But yeah. what if you had an organized business that you understood that that comes with the territory, but it doesn't have to be so difficult because there are experts out here who spend the same time and not, if not the same time, more time, doing what we do and they're having fun doing the things that we aren't, aren't doing so well at. Hmm. What if we made the connection with those people to, uh, to identify them as the pieces of our puzzle that we complete can complete the puzzle and make it fun. Hmm. So focus on your strengths, outsource your weaknesses, understand what your superpowers are, understand what your weaknesses are, figure out how, Hey, I can do this. I love doing this part. However, there's an expert here that's now become my partner hmm. and he or she can help me get the results that I want. And I can still, I can have fun doing that and they're having fun doing their part. So the things that you may have problems with are the things that they're enjoying the opportunity to do. Hmm. So important. That's a, it's a huge lesson. I think, especially as you want to scale, right? I mean, is really the lesson of cooperation and delegation yeah. and some things are, some things are hard to delegate. I mean, uh, you know, especially the closer the home you get to certain things uh, in terms of quality control and stuff, it's, it's hard to delegate. Like in your experience, what's been one of the hardest things for you to delegate? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> coaching and, and site development. Hmm. I, I can delegate uh, the financial side of things, financial management side of things. I haven't, I've had an accountant, same accountant for accounting firm for the past, I don't know, 25 years or so. Wow. And uh, they, they handle that part. And I feel very comfortable with that. On the other side, on the other hand, I've got, uh, I like coaching. I like sales. I like closing deals. And it's kind of hard for me to trust someone else to, to do that. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and they just don't feel my passion, man, my energy. You know, I'm, I, I, I get high on the, just the experience. Yeah. Even if a deal does not close, I, every deal closes, by the way, every deal, wow. deal. It doesn't mean that they're going to, it's going to be exchange of, of, of currency, but it basically means an, ex, an ex, exchange of an experience and an opportunity to be better. 
Mm. so that you're best positioned the next time around. So every deal is a closing deal. I like that. Yeah. That's um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the things that I have hard, a hard time giving, giving away. I'm, I'm, I've become uh, more giving when it comes to like website development, mm-hmm. page development. Um, I'm able to spend time with people who see how I think. Yeah. The that, creative design yeah. parts. Right. Those are important too, though. They're tough, you know, especially if you, gosh, I mean, I can relate to that because I'm, again, like I'm, the problem that I have is that I'm also a good designer relatively. I mean, I, I think I'm a decent designer. I mean, it's like I've used to be super artistic as a kid and art was a very big part of my life. So I'd never had a problem creating graphics for anything. I know how to use Photoshop really well. And I use, so right. it's like, so the problem is like, okay, <laughs> I know what I want and I know what I like, but I don't have the time to do it. I could do it myself very easily or, you know, I could to the, to the level I want, but I can't do it because of time. So then it's like, it's an extra obstacle uh, mentally to, to let go of that because it's like, I know that I can do it, you know? So, but it's, if you find it, you know, one thing I've noticed in a couple of jobs that I've outsourced and you can share your experience too is, I used to, when I, when I post a posting, let's say on Upwork or something, right. For somebody remotely to do what I want. I used to post probably like 90% of people, which is here's what I need done. Here's the laundry list. Here's the qualifications, blah, 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 rational brain, X, Y, Z, like all the measurable stuff. And it always led to like this long hiring process of, you know, just dicking around with these different people that are qualified, but they don't get what the hell I'm trying to say. And I changed that around and it was, it was just phenomenal how it changed because what I did then instead is the very first part of the article or the posting, I was like super, super specific about who I am. What do I believe? What kind of person am I looking for in terms of character, not your qualifications? Like, what are my values? Like all just like upfront, like straight up, you know? And it's like, okay, you know what? This is going to turn off 80% of you, but I'm fine because yeah. the two people that apply, those are going to be the most qualified for this job. And, and it's worked wonders. I mean, I found, I found some really good people that way. So in, in your experience, how, how has that worked for you? Like, how do you find, like, let's say the right people to delegate to, or, you know, if you're looking for something and it's, and it's something you don't, something you don't have somebody on hand, like, Oh, I know a web guy. Like if you don't know a web guy, how would you go about finding that web guy and delegating said task? Well, this, this took me, it took me longer than it should. It Mm -hmm. took me a lot longer than it should have taken. Uh, But I, I developed a system that works for me. And this is, this is what I learned as the CEO of my company. I need to understand everything in my company and outside my company. Mm-hmm. I need to be the, the biggest student of my company. It means I need to know how to at least halfway do things. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need to at least understand the concepts. So yeah. based on the things that I needed, the things that I wanted that I couldn't like, traditionally outsourced like accounting and things of that nature. But we're talking about web design and we're talking about uh, coaching. I actually created procedures, uh, instructions for how to do things. So how do I create a squeeze page? Well, I'm going to record myself and I'm going to talk you through that. And one of the qualifications of even considering uh, hiring you 
is that you had to be able to duplicate that. Mm. That's a language that everyone speaks. You know, we, we may all speak the same language in, in a lot of cases, and we, now we've got the world as our stage. So we come across a lot of uh, different languages and different people and, and different uh, levels. And I was taught to always speak with someone on a fourth grade level being offended. Never assume that they just know something by the words that you're sharing and the actions you take. So something as serious as coaching and as serious as development and, and harvesting data, I need them to understand my process. Because if it can for me, then I can outsource that to people who understand it by, by the visualization of it and implementation of what they see. I do. do you have regular trainings with somebody that you bring on? Like, or do you let them, I guess it depends on the task, right? I mean, do you have like regular, like I've had a couple times where I've had to, I realized like, okay, I didn't communicate my vision clearly enough to this person mm-hmm. rather than let's say correcting all the details that are going wrong. Did they see it? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was a, it was a particular project and at first, like we would go back and forth and say, okay, I want this, 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 you know, like the usual that you would do. And the product I got back was, it wasn't like some other mistake would happen. Like, but the mistake was in the same like problem area. Right. So it was a different mistake, but, but the pattern between the two tells me that you didn't get what I, why we fixed the first one. Right. So it indicated to me that, okay, okay, I need to have, like another vision meeting with you and just be like, listen, here's why I'm doing this. And, and so now my goal is that that kind of gives you the guidance to fix those things without me having to like babysit you, you know? Right. So how do you deal with somebody when, again, let's say, I mean, they return something to you and it's, it's clear that the pattern of back and forth, there's some disconnect between the original vision and what they're understanding. So how would you handle that situation? It's a great investment of time when you've got someone who's uh, helping you in your business. And I spend as much time as I can with, mm-hmm. with, my, with my outsource team, with my employees. I spend as much time as I can with them, uh, meaning that we talk about the technical aspects of the business as well as we work on them together, as well as I know their children's names, as well as I, I know what they had for dinner yesterday. And they become, and I become their friend. We start to build these relationships. And when people can, you know, it's kind of hard to visualize what you visualize. You know, how do you, how do people see the, see your vision through their eyes? Through their eyes. Yeah. Right. How do, how do they do that? And I think the best way to do that is to, to form a bond and form a connection with them, Mm. both professionally and on a personal basis. Um, think about this. This our business now in every aspect of the word is dating. Yeah. It is, truly is. It is, yeah. Yeah, with your clients, with your JV partners, um, with with your outsource team, with your employees, it's truly dating. And a lot of these high tech companies have are dialing that in down to a science. You look at Amazon. You look at Google. Man, I would love to work for someone like Google. Mm. Uh, 
you know, they'll pick your children up from school and <laughs> they, they will, they'll be prepared. Yeah, they're looking to get married. They're not looking for a fling. Yeah. You can take your dry cleaning to Google and they have a dry cleaners there that'll have your clothing ready for you when you leave to go home that night. There's people who would rather jump out of a window and commit some strange act of death before they lose their job. Yeah. And that's the kind of experience you want to create. Uh, there is no, there's no hierarchy in my business mm-hmm. other than my commitment to be the best student that I can be so that I can teach my, uh, I can teach my, my outsourcers, my employees, my partners how to be better. And I want to do that and, and understand who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's all about communication when you have that, a lateral relationship rather than a hierarchical one. It allows everybody to feel trust, right? I mean, that's really what it boils down to. When people feel like they're trusted and they can trust their leader and, and other people, then they become more leaders mm-hmm. in their own right. And one thing I've always realized is that if you, especially if you want to scale, again, talking about scaling, you don't have time to babysit everybody. So a business that's based in insecurity and fear and having to micromanage people and control them because you're too afraid to empower them as leaders uh, and delegate what you need to delegate, then you're never going to, at the end of the day, you may be successful in the short term, but you're going to lose out on your time and your stress and your health trying sure. to control everything. Sure. I, I, I had a uh, business partner who's also a tech guy and we met as he hired me to be his coach and I learned he had skills so to speak. And I said, Hey, we should work together on some projects. Let's give it a try. Let's give it a shot. And throughout this journey, it's been a almost seven year journey. I think we're in going to maybe seven, eight years going wow. into a relationship of, uh, man, I can build this for you. I can do this for you. It's like, slow down, wait a minute, let's talk about it. And, uh, we have developed a relationship over time. He lives in, in, a, in a different country, he lives in Croatia. Um, some people had problems understanding him, uh, but I do and I understand him perfectly now because we built that relationship and I intentionally did that. It's so important to, to do that because not only can you, can they meet your expectations, but you become predictable for them. Imagine mm-hmm. having someone on your team that you're predictable to them. I mean, I know it two to once. He hasn't asked me yet, but let me go ahead and do it. Hmm. We had to add 600 plus videos and I think it should be, I think it's more than that. Um, And we wanted to do that by the end of February and we talked about it. Wow. That's a lot of content. (laughs) We talked about it. We had to transfer it from one membership site to a brand new membership site. And we talked about it. We had a conversation about it. It was just kind of a casual conversation. And I sent him a message. I said, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll get to this, but let's keep creating creating the stuff we need for today, for now. The people already have that. We'll just give them access to the old membership and the new membership at the same time. One day I was uploading a video that I recently made and I noticed that all of those videos were in the new members area. Wow. He didn't tell me. He didn't say, I'll do it tomorrow. Uh, Do you still want it done? It just was done. Hmm. And that is invaluable in terms of predictability, dependability, reliability. And that's all based on 
the premise of getting to know each other and understanding how we think. Hmm. Is there anything special that you do to maintain your relationships with the people that work for you or that you work with? Um, I take, I take my, my business relationships. I take them personal as well. Mm-hmm. So when they have a, I, I give them the understanding that we have a, we have, even though it's a digital, we have an open door policy, mm-hmm. meaning that, Hey, if you're having a problem, let's talk. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes along with getting to know people and building those relationships and building that trust. Um, and again, they've become predictable to me. I can predict, I know when something's not right. It's funny, you know, because most people would like, I agree with a hundred percent and I think predictability, it's all about consistency and mm-hmm. you know, you want to know what you can count on and what you can't count on. And I think the problem a lot of people have in perceiving that sort of relationship is the same way that you would see in the dating scene, right? Everybody wants to be unpredictable, cool, exciting, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And they see predictability as, Oh, if you're predictable, you're boring. Oh, if you're predictable, you know, it's, it's not going to go anywhere, but really predictability shouldn't be this like negative word because a lot being predictable allows you to create and sustain and build something. When you're looking at it from the perception of performance, it's, it's just, it's, it's so valuable to you. It's such an asset when you can expect people to perform at a certain level. Hmm. And here's where a lot of business owners are, are missing the boat is that they want to place people where they want them to be, not where they can perform at, its high, at their highest. Hmm. That's, I mean, you know, for my employees, it's got to be fun for them. It's got to be profitable. They got to be making money. I've got to pay them. It's got to be scalable. I've got to open up opportunities for them as I get opp- new opportunities and, it's got to be fun. It must be fun. I don't even want you to work with me if you're not having fun. Hmm. I don't want that. I don't want you doing something that you can't do. It's like, okay, um, you know, I've seen people lose their positions in the corporate world because they were so good at what they'd done. Think about this for a moment. Um, I was in the car business for for a short time, very short, uh, a year. And I saw a lot of people come and go in the car business. Let me tell you why. They were the greatest salesmen in the world or salespeople in the world. And they got promoted to finance manager. Mm, uh Oh yeah. (laughs) Different story on that one. Yeah. They can count cars, but they can't count money. And nobody pre-qualified them. Nobody really asked them. They just put the numbers there. Okay. You're making $180,000 a year, but you know what, man, you're so good. You'd be so valuable in our finance because you can close cars. I know you can close deals in the back. So we're going to pay you $300,000. That's $120,000 a year promotion. Yeah, I'll take it. Wow. And look at what happened. Six months, you know, it's like you're gone. What do you think? What do you think that I guess the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to their relationships with the, the people in their business. We'll just keep it that way. Cause I mean, relationships in general, but I, it, it all kind of ties in. Right. But what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen? Uh, like in people that come work with you mm-hmm. with their relationships, with their relationships with, with me, you mean, or no, just with their, like, let's say somebody comes to you and says, Hey, you know, help me you know, scale my business, whatever. Right. And then you, you go through that questionnaire, you look, 
to see what their mindset is, what their decision-making is. You kind of evaluate their relationships. You, you see they've got a couple people they're working with. And as you're working with them, obviously, you start to see how they, they behave and how they make decisions. And you, know, you have to basically, obviously, correct and, and help them through certain ways of thinking. So what have you seen are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to working with the, their employees, with the people they're delegating stuff to, with basically this thing that we're talking about with connection and building trust within the business. Because there's trust outside of the business, which is like the whole marketing thing and service and everything else. But then there's the trust within the business, which is, uh, you know, your leadership, you know, and how you're managing those connections and the relationships. So what have you seen are some of the biggest mistakes that people make in that area and how did you help them out of it? Okay. So I want to, I want to take this, I want to kind of shift your question just a little. Yeah. It's, it's relevant. It's relevant. Uh, <clears throat> we're from both sides in most situations, whether it's the coach or the, the, the person who's wanting to be coached. Um, we're both, and this is traditionally speaking, we're both in a feast or famine mode, hmm. meaning we want to make money. Yeah. You don't turn your money down. Um, and on their end, they want to make money and they're willing, they're willing to give you their money with the expectations that, that you're a magician and you can do things. Yeah. Magic wand. Here you go. Yeah, absolutely. So they don't, they have this mindset that they don't have to do much of the work because you're Joe guru and you built a $60 million a year company. That's not me. Not yet. Um, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I'm trying to buy a plane, man. So it's got to come. There you go. When uh, you're playing for those new videos, man. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, so they're expecting you to be the be all and do all and know all uh, about their business without them even knowing anything about their business. We've got to, you know, we, we talked earlier about introducing our representative, being our representative. Mm-hmm. We've got to, we've got to tear down that we've got to tear down that persona and, and say, Hey, look, first of all, how serious are you about your business? I ask you on my, I ask you on my form in the questionnaire on a, on a, on a scale of one to 10, how serious are you about your business? You said 10, what does that mean to you? What do you expect to happen in our relationship together? What are you, what are you seeing? Okay, so now I understand what that 10 means to you, and I understand what you expect to happen. Let me explain what that means to me. See, mm. people don't have that conversation. And I think, you, you know, how you, how you start something is closely related to how you finish it. Mm. So there's got to be some understanding there. There's got to be some guidelines. There's got to be some steps. Step one, we're going to do this. I really want to get a better understanding of who you are. That's going to take 10 days for us. We're going to have to have two more conversations, one hour each. 10 days. Wow, I'm ready to make money now. Well, no, you're not. The the simple fact that you just said that, no, you're not. Hmm. So let's help you with that. I can help you with that. Hmm. I've got clients I've been working with for six, seven, eight years. It's a marathon. It's not a 30-yard dash. Yeah. Uh, What you see, what you've seen is the results of uh, the years uh, the time, the coaching that people have invested in, and you're seeing the end result. You weren't there on the journey. Now I'm about to take you on your journey. Yeah, the tip of the iceberg. We're so caught up on just seeing the obvious 
and yeah. not respecting the large portion of non-obvious stuff that led to that outcome. If you do it that way, Tudor, what happens is you, you've effectively helped them help influence their decision to do business with you or not. And both are good. I, I say each and every day, my responsibility is one thing, to attract as many people who are into my message and are willing to, to help me understand their message and to repel as many people who aren't. Yeah. I don't want my time wasted and I don't want to waste your time. If we're not a fit, let's get to know that now. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's why it is dating. You don't marry someone and, and not know that, uh, <laughs> not know several things. Well, you waste so much, you know, it's so funny because it's so true. You waste so much energy like dating's exhausting. Like if we actually talk about actual dating, like dating's fucking exhausting, especially these days where it's like any, you mostly meet people online, you know, and everything's misrepresented. And so you spend so much time and energy and, and resources just to get to the point of certainty of like, okay, is this person somebody that's worthwhile for at least a long-term relationship? Right. And, and same thing with the business too. Like you waste the most amount of money on clients that don't align with your vision, with what you believe, with the, the way you, you know, do business. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you can't bring your representative. You got, <laughs> <laughs> you really can't. So in this case, you're saying kill the messenger, basically. Kill the messenger, man. <laughs> Throw him out the window. I mean, he's like, don't even look down to see if he made it. Just get rid of him. Um, you know, it's funny. It's like, okay, you meet this girl and, and she saw you in the club or, or at church. <laughs> whichever, hey. Whichever. God's hey. club or, you know, <laughs> right. Scottsdale's club, whichever. <laughs> and you had a very nice suit on and she liked you and you made a connection and you said, hey, let's go out to dinner. And you came up with another nice suit on, right? And um, then you said, let's have another date. Let's go to the movies. And then you came up with your third nice suit. And she's like, wow, you dress so nice. I just love a guy that dresses nice. You're like, yeah, that's all I wear is suits. But you've only got three suits. See, that's your <laughs> representative. <laughs> so what are you going to wear on the next date? What are you going to wear when, uh, if you can recycle these suits for the next six months and then she wants to marry you and then she looks in your closet and you find T-shirt out. And jeans. <laughs> yeah, you don't have, yeah, don't, you've got one pair of jeans and an old T-shirt, number one. Number two, um, you realize that she's so dialed into the suit thing that she doesn't even like you for who you are. Mm. Look at all that time you've wasted. And in, in what that brings up is really the impact of being inauthentic. When you're not authentic about your, whatever it is you're doing, then you're going to attract the wrong person because let's say you put on those three suits, you're trying to be somebody else. Yeah. And so you're going to attract somebody who's not even attracted to you, who you really are. Right. <laughs> And what if she met you and she thought you were cool and she didn't care what you were, what you were wearing, but you were clean. Right. <laughs> you carried on a, an articulate conversation and um, you resonated with her and she resonated with you. You want to continue to keep that going. Um, you, you get to know each other. You can't tell everybody everything today. However, you can start down that path of trust hmm. and you do it by just being upfront. Hey, look, I'm looking for a serious relationship. I'm not saying I'm going to stalk you right now. You may not be the one. However, I want us to give ourselves that opportunity, understanding that that's what we both want. Is that mm-hmm. what we both want? Yes. Okay, great. 
no. Okay. Well, let's have a drink and, you know, get to know each other and it'll be fun. Maybe we'll be friends. Maybe we won't, but I'm letting you know what I'm looking for. And I, and I mean that in the most authentic way, not the, not the way that you see on social media. I'm looking for a guy with a plane. I'm looking for a guy with nice clothing. I'm, I'm looking for the perfect guy, not bachelor stuff, mm. or bachelorette stuff. I mean, authentic, let's get to know each other. And let's do it openly and honest, honestly, because that's what I'm looking for. Mm. And you've got to be that about your clients. You've got to be that about your JV partners. You've got to get to know them. What I've found and this is by no accident, is that a lot of my clients, a lot of my partners, business partners, a lot of my affiliates, a lot of my outsourcers and employees have become very good friends of mine. Hmm. That's not by accident. It's on purpose. And I've attracted the right ones and I've repelled the right ones. It's a blessing to have that. You know, when you, when you feel that you're surrounded by a, a real inner circle of trust, it's not just that formal... I mean, it's, it's interesting though, you know, because there's, I don't know, like one question I have for you, because I have been in a situation where I've worked in a small company mm-hmm. and it was a family owned company. And so it was very much, the owner was very buddy, buddy with everybody. And it was like this whole family type of thing, but it ended really badly. Let's put it that way. Like he ended up, you know, just being a, a whack job, but the, the problem was because of that, I, th- there was no blur between, you know, business and family. And so with family comes all these expectations and passive aggressive BS and, and unsaid things and judgment and, you know, all the stuff that comes with that level of comfort. Like when you, when you're around your family, it's a lot easier to yell at your siblings or your parents than it is to yell at somebody who's like, okay, this is my employee or, you know, this is my whatever, some formal title. So how do you handle that? I mean, how do you handle, I guess, the the downside of having that level of connection and comfort with somebody who essentially you rely on for business results and money and, you know, there's that whole side of things. Yeah. How do you not let it get so comfortable to where it's, you know what I'm saying? Like get it complacent almost, I guess. Well, you got to, you got to compartmentalize everything. Um, you, you spoke of family and your ability to yell at them. Yeah. That was nurtured. That happened over time. Yeah. A relationship that was built. It didn't come, you know, you didn't wake up on Tuesday, the 22nd and say, Hey, um, I hate you guys. <laughs> you guys <laughs> right. They were like, what? He, he's never been like that. Where did that come from? No, yeah. it's something that they can expect that of you and, it, and they're okay with it. I, I feel like in the relationships that I build that over time, those things become part of the natural process. And not, I don't know if I should have used like yelling and cursing or any of that. I don't know if I should use that example, but it's about um, not, it's about not ever being out of who you really are hmm. because that's who I, that's who I am in the beginning. Um, I've got friends that I've known for 10, 20, 30 years uh, who will tell you that consistently I'm the same guy hmm. that I've always been. Um, I say what's on my mind. I say how I feel. I don't sugarcoat things, but it doesn't mean I have to be rude either. Uh, but there's a methodology behind everything that I do and the principles that they represent. And 
I convey that message from day one. This is who I am, and this is how we can help each other. Mm-hmm. So as you learn people's stories, you tell your story. That's the, I feel like that's the, the best way. Um, we look at some of these politicians, and I don't really get into the politics publicly, um, but we, we look at some of these politicians, and people are looking at mud to sling at the other politicians. Mm-hmm. So the way they, the way they, they do that is they go after the people they're associated with. And they say, oh, this guy said this about you, and this guy said that about you. I already, I already know. I can predict what people are going to say about me. Hmm. I can predict because I'm the same person. Yeah, you've been consistent across your reputation and who you're interacting with. And there's not enough of that, too. There's not enough of that because, Mm -hmm. like I said, everybody's in a feast or famine mode. I need an employee. I need a guy to do this. So let me, um, hey, can you do the job? Yes. Okay, you're hired. Hmm. Oh, you didn't do the job? You're fired. Man, I don't have time for that, man. Yeah, you burn a lot more energy and time having yeah. to stop and start than, than just slow down and get married. You got to take that so seriously, man. If you if you really position yourself for profits, for scaling your business, and for continuing to maintain your sanity, <laughs> yeah, have fun doing all of this, man, it's got to be so sacred as bringing people around your family, your wife, your son, mm. daughter, your mother. It can't be loosey goosey because you're trying to get the money. It can't, mm. it just can't be. I'd rather go broke. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard, hard. I don't just, I don't know. Like once you aware of that, it's a hard energy to live in that sort of scarcity mindset where you're constantly just acting without any deeper purpose or why or connection or anything. It's just, yeah, that's a, it's a tough place to be in. It's tough, but it's something that people, uh, naturally become accustomed to hmm. because they look at it just the way things work. I hear that all the time. Oh man, I don't mix business with pleasure. Why not? You should be, you should be experiencing pleasure from your business. So hmm. how the heck are you doing that? What are you doing? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Well, give me a little bit about your daily routine, buddy. So what's your, what was that man. scoop that you shared with those? Yeah, I get up. Um, I get up well, I'm giving, I'm giving it away. The, the, the thing that makes me more productive, more successful is my ability to get up earlier. Mm. I get up an hour earlier. I get up at five o'clock every morning. Sometimes before that, uh, my family, when I started this ritual a few years ago, my family thought I was crazy. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing up? It's 5 a.m. My wife used to say it's how How early were you getting up before? Like 6, 6.30 or something? Um. I was getting up at like seven. Eight, oh, okay. Yeah. Seven, eight and, and watching television and hanging out and getting ready to, to either go to work or go into my office. Uh, I was doing it that way. And with no, with no pre-plan about it, nothing, mm. no itinerary. Now that, now that I get up a little bit earlier, um, I'm able to have an itinerary of things that I do. You know, it's, it's one of, I, one of my mentors said that uh, what, what happens is you want to wake up earlier because you want to, you want to unlock that pharmacy of mastery that just mm. really gets you empowered, turns you into a boss, oxytocin, uh, serotonin, and dopamine. Uh, those are the, 
Those are the power tools that you need. And you can only do it by giving yourself that, that time to yourself and having a ritual. My ritual goes like, um, and I'll give you the short version of it, but my really ritual is, is what I call 2020. I'm, I'm about to transform that into um, uh, 20, I'm sorry, 2020, 20. I'm about to turn that into 30, 30, 30. Oh, which wow. means I set aside uninterrupted, uninterrupted chunks of 20 minutes at a time each morning, dedicating it to different elements in my life. Uh, mm. The first 20 minutes is dedicated to movement. So I'm able to exercise and, and, and just really, you know, recycle everything that's happened during the process of, of cleansing throughout the night. I'm able to do that through exercise, through dance, through, uh, through dance. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's one of yeah. the best things you can do. Just get uh, flowing in the morning, get yeah. the circulation yeah. moving. And, and what I found is that 20 minutes in time, that 20 minutes of movement is just incredible for me. Mm. And I, and now I'm, my body is starving for more of that. After about eight years of doing this, my, my body is like wanting more of that. I'm going over my time. So I'm saying, hey, we maybe we need to increase this to a to a 90 minute ritual. So 30, mm. 30. Um, so the next the next part is dedicated to reflection. And my reflection process, I take about 20, sometimes 30 minutes now, and I'm like, hey, so what happened yesterday that uh, what happened, what are some of the main events in, in my life, both favorable and unfavorable? that happened yesterday and how could I have been better? What's my action plan for being better? How could I have made this podcast better? Mm. How could I have made my ritual better? How could I have made my coaching conversations better? What have I learned from that? Mm-hmm. What, am I, what, what as I reflect on that? And um, I got that part uh, just looking at some of the, the, the highest achievers in our lifetime, you look at Nelson Mandela. He spent so many years in prison. Crazy man. Yeah, man. And and look, he <laughs> he was in he was in a cell by himself. And this Can you dude, imagine? I can't believe that. I mean, oh, and when he got released, it was God. He has a famous quote about forgiveness too. It's like he said that if he didn't forgive his oppressors, that he would not he would still be in jail. It's something like this. I'm kind of butchering it, but uh, yeah, yeah, famous yeah. quote is, it's just brilliant. I mean, God, I can't it, imagine. It was in, he was in jail for 27 years, man. Wow. And he, he had time to, to, to think he had time to process. He had time to reflect on his life and it made him a better man. Hmm. Uh, he came out and, and became the president of South Africa. How wow. do you, how do you spend 27 years in jail and come out and become the president you know what type of mindset that you have to have and yeah. effectively lead people. So that's important. And it's because he thought about things that events that happened in his life, even the day, the day before uh, 27 years is a long time, man. I think about that every time I talk about this um, to be in reflection. Yeah. How could I have been better? How could I have lived a better life and to come out as a boss that's powerful. Yeah. So I, I, on a very minimal scale, yeah. I can't compare myself to Nelson Mandela, <laughs> but on a very minimal scale, I, I do spend, uh, I take a deep dive in reflecting on 
how was my conversation with Tula? Mm. How was how did it, how did my day start? How was my ritual? Did I do everything that I, I set out to do yesterday? Did I finish off my checklist? Did I fulfill those things? What was that like? And twenty minutes it seems short, but that's a long. You do that every day. That's I mean, that's seven enough, days, man. You can do a seven lot. Seven days a week, yeah, seven days a week. Um, and then the next twenty minutes is I dedicate to learning. Mm. So. I'm listening to a podcast. I'm sure I'll be listening to this one. Uh, I'm, I'm listening to, I'm reading books. I'm really immersing myself in the business of just glance, glancing at blogs. What that's helped me to do is become more of a, I'm not a speed reader, so to, so to speak, but I'm, I'm able to process information more effectively, more efficiently mm-hmm. um, because of the practice of doing this over eight years, seven days a week of doing this. And one of the things that, I've granted my, myself permission to do a commitment to, to do is to never skimp on that, never mm-hmm. cheat the system, so to speak. Um, so yeah, you're just cheating yourself <laughs> if you're cheating yeah, the system. Yeah. I mean, ultimately. Movement, reflection and learning. And I just need, I'm just at this place in my life where I need to dedicate more time to that 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, then I go and take a shower and do all that other stuff. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, great, man. Yeah. I think those three, that's, it's such a, it's the simple things, you know, you always come back to the simple things and it's the simple things that are done repeatedly that make the biggest difference. Yeah, man. It, it, it's amazing what it can do. It, it keeps you in a, it keeps you in a, a stable level place mm-hmm. in your life where you can handle problems, situations that always will arise in mm-hmm. life and business. You're, you're, you're able to see that silver lining and to see the, the end result as being something favorable. That's beautiful, man. One more question for you. What are you most grateful for right now? Man, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm grateful for my family. I, I can't, I cannot, I'm, I cannot leave that out. I'm grateful for my family and the great relationships that I have, um, the opportunities to, to uh, evolve my family and evolve my friendships, uh, to meet new people like yourself and just see where that goes, man. That's a, that's something that we generally take for granted. So true. Yeah, we, we take for granted. We spend so much time uh, preparing ourselves for the next step without looking at what exists right in front of us. So true, man. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend, Lonnie Robinson. You know, I hope this episode also inspired you to look at your own vision in your life, what you're doing and the projects that uh, that you've got going on. Look at what you want to achieve and what is it going to take to get you there. A lot of times, you know, we, we want something and we project that in the future, but it seems so far away that we're uncertain about the steps to get there. And that can be very discouraging. You know, whether you own a business, you have a side hustle, you have some extra projects, you're doing nonprofit work, I think this episode could really serve whatever you've got going on at whatever stage you've got going on because we're always looking to take it to the next level and that's always going to be a factor of the decisions you make and why you're making them. So I hope this episode has empowered you with some practical tools. Go hang out with Lonnie. Go check him out on Instagram, Lonnie Robinson or Twitter, uh, or you can go to Robinson Info Media 
robinsoninfomedia.com. Make sure you check out that special as well, robinsoninfomedia.com slash tutor, T-U-D-O-R. All this stuff is going to be on the blog post, danceoflife.com slash podcast. This is 187. So make sure you go check all that out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, share it with your friends, tell the whole world, anybody in your life that will, this will benefit from, that they'll find value, that it will give them some new action take. If they take one different action this week, that's a win and you've changed somebody's life. So make sure you share it with anybody who you think will find value. And last but not least, let's not forget our quote from the amazing Steve Jobs. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know it when you find it. Good old Steve Jobs. You know, one of the most important aspects for living a long and fulfilling life is if you're fulfilled. That's pretty much it. You know, one of the longest studies on on long living has, has shown us that the top two things in longevity are being fulfilled and having positive human connections. And both of those have to do with the kind of work that you do. Because when you work and you do something positive, you're contributing value to those around you. And through that, you're you're contributing, you're feeling purposeful, you're having a sense of connection to society. And all those things come back to you uh, in droves. They give you a massive return on your investment because it fulfills you, it gives you health, it gives you abundance and wealth, because obviously people will pay when you give them value and contribute to their own life. So if you have meaning, if you are appreciated, if you bring value to society, as a result, you will also be successful. And that's what being positioned for success really means. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure you tune in Tuesday for Two Minute Transformation. And next Friday, we're going to be doing 15 simple achievements that you can have today, not tomorrow, not in five months or five years, but 15 simple things that you can achieve today. So make sure you check that out. It's going to be some practical stuff to really get you in action, get you empowered, get you inspired and really moving. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day, wherever you happen to be. Stay safe, stay healthy, and remember that your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.